This is Calgary Today with Angela Cocott on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Good Wednesday afternoon. I have to say with these shorter weeks, Wine Wednesday comes a lot quicker. Of course, Wine Wednesday isn't until 4.15. Angela, don't get ahead of yourself. Thanks so much for hanging out with me this afternoon. And of course, this was the story that broke uh, last week, kind of confusing at the beginning when we heard that the provincial government was going to go after power companies over the PPAs, the power purchase agreements. And at the time, they were saying it was because of the Enron close. And and really, first of all, lawsuits are complicated at the best of times. And then you start talking about power purchase agreements. And I think the province was just hoping that most people would hear it and say, good, go after those big companies that make all this money. Well, then as the days went on and you were able to peel back the layers of this apparent lawsuit. I don't know about you, but I started questioning, why is the government doing this? And I think they wanted to paint it to say that these big companies are backing out of contracts. They shouldn't be allowed to do that. And we're going to take them to court over this. And then I read Barry Cooper's column in the paper in the Calgary Herald. You can go there as well, calgaryherald.com. He's a professor of political science at the University of Calgary. And I, I like the, the angle he took on this because it was much broader than just the lawsuit. Professor Cooper, how are you today? Uh, just fine, Angela. Good to hear from you. Well, you know what? Uh, and of course, you're a much more intelligent man than I am. But when that story first came out, were you first of all saying, wait, what is this lawsuit all about? Uh, yeah, I was. Um, I, I obviously don't teach in the law school, <laughs> uh, and I and I was uh, trying to figure out what the um, you know what the, was the government upset about basically, uh, and it turns out it it really didn't have much to do with the uh, with the law. Um, I talked to friends of mine who are lawyers, uh, corporate lawyers, and they're and they're very smart, um, and and. Uh, this is something that bureaucrats, um, particularly, but uh, but governments as well, tend to forget that the people who work for these companies um, are cautious, and their caution expresses itself in the kind of contracts that they uh, make with governments. Uh, fundamentally, people in business uh, are are not there in order to be friends of government. Uh, in, in principle, if I were um, in, in business, I would not trust any government because they can change the rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, I mean, we saw this uh, even with uh, the conservative government of the federal conservative government in the, in the early days uh, with uh, some of uh, a perfectly uh, legitimate um, uh, way of structuring your business that the, that the people in the tax department, in the finance department, didn't like because uh, they got outsmarted, basically. Mm-hmm. So they changed the rules um, and and made uh, and made some of these things illegal. Now, governments do that all the time, and it, I don't really think it, it it's whether they're on the left or the right. Um, they they want to manage things the way they want to, and the people in business are fully aware of that, which is why they write these generally uh, fairly complex escape clauses, and that's what uh, that's what happened with this. Uh, 
business with Nmax uh, and not Enron. I mean, that's just a complete red herring. Uh, with Nmax and getting out of their power purchase agreement with um, a, a big coal-fired uh, operation, um, actually fairly near a place that I go duck hunting. <laughs> the <laughs> so Battle I, River one. The Battle, Battle River, River, yes. Yeah. I mean, I've seen it. It's a huge, it's a huge uh, building. Yeah. Um, and they, uh, NMAX, uh, and it's owned by ATCO, ATCO Power, and they had signed this deal, and they have, as part of it, if the, uh, basically, if the administrative or political regime or environment uh, changes so that they are losing money or losing more money than they otherwise would, they can uh, get out of the uh, contract. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, this, this, is, this is normal uh, in any in any company that deals with governments. They put in clauses like that because governments change and you get a new bunch of guys there and they and they think whatever they think, uh, they want to change the rules. And they don't realize the impact those rules have on existing contracts with businesses. Well, sometimes uh, they they don't read them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, they just think they can do what they want. They can change the rules. Uh, but, I mean, that's why they, uh, that's why we have courts. Yeah. They can't change the rules, uh, at least not without agreement of the other side. Um, and this particular one is, is particularly bizarre because it is as if the government is suing itself. Because it's, it's... the government that, that actually wrote and, and agreed to the provisions of the uh, escape clause. The government, though, under the PCs, not the government under the NDP. That's right. Yeah. And, and Yeah, but it, it is still the crown in right of Alberta yeah. that signed the deal. Uh, so now if they want to break the deal, uh, they are going to have to go to court saying that uh, they're, you know, the predecessor, but still the crown in right of, of Alberta, uh, made a mistake. And they will have a terribly difficult time uh, proving that, at least that's what my uh, legal pals say, um, because it's it's a fairly normal clause that uh, you find in all kinds of agreements. Well, and Barry, even when you say, oh, they called it the Enron Clause, but really that's just a red herring, I think it was a great distraction because I think for Canadians, what we heard about Enron in the States was how it was this corrupt power company and what it did for fixing prices on and on. So when the NDP originally came out saying we're going to sue the power companies over the PPAs because of this Enron clause, that's all people were focusing on. So it may have been a red herring, but it was a great little distraction until people started saying, okay, wait a second, what does this clause mean? And in normal businesses, how would that impact someone. So uh, I think that backfired on them. Oh, I agree. Um, But, you know, again, this is a a problem that that governments have. They think that because they can set the rules that the rest of us are too stupid to uh, figure out what they're doing. And and that's simply not true. I mean, uh, you would find uh, eventually, if they ever did get to court, um, you will find uh, lawyers for uh, NMAX and probably for ATCO, too, uh, explaining that this is, uh, you know, completely... um, uh, improper. Let's yeah. put it that way. Now, just to to go back though on some of the details of this, because Nmax wanted to use this escape clause, and they notified the government of this back in December. So it seems strange that no one knew about this until now. But anyway, you, so they notified the government that they wanted to get out of the contract with the PPA, and they had a couple of key reasons why, because of the low oil prices. And 
they knew what was coming down the road, and that was the carbon tax and what that would mean on their bottom line. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. And uh, they sent a letter, I, I assume it was a fairly short letter, uh, saying that they were going to do this, and they were, and they were given permission by the, um, uh, whatever it's called, the pooling. Yes. Uh, uh, the balancing pool. Balancing pool, yeah. Right. Uh, which is another, you know, government agency said, yeah, you can do that. That's fine. It's completely in keeping with what the uh, what the uh, contract says. Yeah. And then suddenly the the government uh, says, wait a minute, uh, we don't like this. Not you can't do it. It's illegal. We don't like it. Well, you know, and Max quite properly will say, tough. It's in the contract. It's legal. Yeah. What we can do. Yeah, and and we are doing it because of you are changing the uh the uh context or the environment uh, the business environment within which we have to operate you in other words are cutting down on our uh on our uh, return on investment our profits whatever you know however you characterize the mm-hmm. uh the amount of dough involved and and Barry even for you to say that and someone's listening and I know we'll have listeners because I'm already getting texts on this but we're going to have people saying well well, it's just the province, the government standing up to these companies that don't want to lose any money. But they don't realize that NMAX and everyone else involved in the power purchase agreements, they signed on for a 20-year contract to, to back these expensive companies, the power generating companies. And, you know, I mean, it's a very complicated process, but NMAX has been in this for a long time. And it's not until now that the rules of the game changed, especially with the carbon tax that's going to come in in January and the fact that they're also dealing with low oil prices, that they're saying this hasn't, this isn't really directly market driven. This is political or policy driven. Yeah, no, it's it's entirely policy driven. I mean, without the well, someone uh, could argue low oil, low oil prices wasn't the well. A lot of people would say it could be the fault of the NDP, but I'm saying low oil prices also play into this too. They do, but yeah. the, but uh, I would say probably not nearly as much as uh, the carbon tax. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and second, the other thing you have to realize is the people who actually pay this are uh, consumers mm-hmm. of of electricity. That you know, you and me are going to see our electricity bills go up. Um, with the carbon tax. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Barry, hold on. I got a lot more questions, especially um, going back to your, your, the root of your column, just talking about the ideology of some parties and how they are just so tied to that, that they don't see what's happening around them. Barry Cooper is my guest this half hour. He's a professor of political science at the University of Calgary. I'm Angela Cocott. You're listening to Calgary Today. Of course, you can text 770-770. And I will be opening up the phone line after my conversation with Barry. We're back after this. And I know uh, we have on our various shows talked about this whole lawsuit that the government has launched against the over the power purchase agreements and in particular NMAX and its decision to give back its power to the balancing pool, basically getting out of a contract. I think it's about three years shy of the 20 years or is it four years shy? Barry Cooper is a professor of political science at the University of Calgary. And at the beginning of our conversation, Barry was correct in pointing out that he's not a law professor. He's a political science professor. And Barry, from that point of view then, you are seeing the NDP holding on to their ideology, regardless of what that means when it comes to costly lawsuits. And you actually compared them to the social credit back in Bible Bill's days. <laughs> give me give me those comparisons. Um, well, yeah, I, I partly I did that uh, to uh, 
irritate uh, some, some of my readers. Um, <laughs> uh, when you write a column, uh, among other things, you have to be provocative. So, I mean, that was that was. Uh, Welcome to, talk, welcome to talk radio, Barry. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the difference is that uh, in, in the 1930s, about the mid-30s, uh, when Social Credit tried to bring in um, a, a sort of an Alberta currency uh, and then tried to bring in what is essentially um, a censorship or uh, compelling newspapers to, um, to publish uh, government... Um, refutations of stories that the government didn't like. It was called the Accurate News and Information Act. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it sounds almost Trumpian in, <laughs> in, its, uh, uh, in its intention. Um, that was uh, motivated by the commonsensical motivation was because of the, of the miserable state the uh, Alberta economy was in because of the Depression. Um, but the response to it by social credit was uh, was entirely ideological. They had a whole program on how to fix things, and uh, the NDP has a has a program on how to fix things too. But it's not so much political in the sense of uh, the jurisdiction of the province of Alberta vis-a-vis the federal government, which it was in social credit state. Both of both of those things that I mentioned were were completely outside the uh, jurisdiction of the. Of the province, it was illegal, unconstitutional, and so on for for Eberhardt to try and do that. Uh, today, it's much more economic than it is political. Uh, a lot of the disputes between uh, the province and the and Central Canada, uh, in general, are economic disputes rather than jurisdictional and constitutional ones. So that's mm-hmm. that's the analogy. But. But isn't it right that every party they have their ideology? Um, I know, I know. We often say that the NDP or they're criticized for being ideologues, and and they don't veer away from that. But isn't that what policy is all about? Isn't that why I choose one party over another? I want to know what that party's ideology is. Yeah, that's a very loose uh, use of the term, and I was being a little more precise in political sciency. Ideologues, uh, the way that we look at them, are people who not just uh, have different policies, but are, um, let's say, it's very difficult to have an argument with them because they are so committed to uh, a particular policy. That was certainly true of social credit, and arguably it's true of the NDP as well. They have this thing about carbon that uh, is completely, uh, in my view anyway, is completely out of line with reality. Uh, and they are going to um, show through their policies that they're going to you know, get us to a, eventually, uh, you know, eventually, that's the operative word, to a carbon-free economy. And what they actually do to wreck the economy that we have in the short term is, is uh, you know, pretty devastating, of which the carbon tax, I think, is the, is the first example. So almost uh, their their ideology is blind to reality. Yeah, it's yeah. These are complete fantasies, uh, and um, they're they're based on on what in political science we call a second reality, which is something that comes out of your imagination. Uh, that was certainly true with social credit. I don't think there's anybody now that uh, that would defend some of the goofy things that social credit uh, had in mind. Mm. Uh, and arguably the same is true with, with uh, socialists, whether they're sort of soft NDP socialists or, you know, hardcore uh, 
ones that want to use violence. Yeah. Well, and even because I often get accused of being a socialist, and it, it's it's not such a bad word always. I mean, I, we can get into a whole conversation when we start to put labels on people, but there are also social programs that we need. And so I, I support social programs. Does that make me a socialist? So I, I'm not venturing down that road, but coming back to even the NDP right now with their carbon tax. And I think another thing is this, they, when they campaigned, they talk about this, but they campaigned at a time just before things really started getting even worse than they were. So I think the criticism is, is they're not, they're not willing to change despite what is happening around them. Yeah, that that's a, a perfect uh, uh, sort of you know hip pocket definition of what an ideologue is. That they and what I said in the in the column was that that they really believe what they say, uh, and not just that they want to make things better because you know everybody says that. That's not really ideological because normally people uh, take what say the the old PC party uh, uh, said about things like that with a grain of salt because they, you know, we have commonsensical ways of testing it. Uh, but with with uh, genuine ideological parties, and I'm not, you know, these guys are not fanatics in the NDP, but right. they they actually really do believe that a carbon-free uh, economy is uh, is possible, and it certainly is, but not at the kind of standard of living that we have now, mm-hmm. uh, which is something that they don't want to talk about. And and your commonsensical way of looking at these things, uh, you would raise that as. Um, you know, is a major issue. So then the answer then becomes, well, you know, we're going to destroy the planet. Well, you know, th- th- that's just ridiculous. I mean, th- then you're in the fantasy world uh, where your common sense observations really don't don't matter. Barry, can we go back to the lawsuit? Because I think a lot of, <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people are questioning, first of all, the expense and why why we're launching it in the first place, because it's almost as if the NDP government didn't realize that this is a contract. This is what is in the contracts, and that's how it is. So they're they're almost trying to break a contract that has worked for many, many years. Yeah, and and that the ideological element there is uh, in, again in the in the imaginary world where um, you don't have quote big business. Uh, overcharging the public, which they're not doing. Mm. Uh, that becomes the mythical world in which you have to, quote, do something uh, by breaking this uh, contract. And so you invoke, you know, Enron, which has nothing to do with anything, yeah. uh, in the in the hopes that, um, you know, enough of their supporters, presumably, and the rest of us, too, will accept what they have to say, even though it's complete nonsense. Yeah. And really, I think if you're going to have a lawsuit that people aren't paying much attention to, do it with an electricity uh, lawsuit because people we flick lights on and we don't realize how complicated that system is that goes into even getting the lights on in this studio yeah absolutely barry as always appreciate your time and uh people can read your column at calgaryherald.com thanks so much okay angela thank you barry cooper he is a political science professor at the university of calgary calgary today with angela cocott weekdays at three on news talk 770 calgary